0: Jesus has opened our spiritually blind eyes in order that we might testify that He is the Son of God, the Savior, and the light of the world. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. I want to share a true story with you here today. Do I have your attention, by the way? Good. It's a true story that was uh, told to me by my friend John Carter. Uh, John has a lot of great stories, and this one, though, is one of my favorites, and I decided to give it a little dramatic flair here for you, and you'll see why in just a moment here. Uh, But this is the story of one fine day in Chicago. Chicago. You see, John grew up in the Hyde Park neighborhood of Chicago. And one day there, he was standing there and he saw on the on the corner there, uh, there was a man with dark sunglasses on and a cup holding that out. And people would go by and they were putting coins in his cup there for him. Well, along comes a teenager, and a, you can tell this teen had planned on this, right? And this teenager pulls out of his pocket a, a worthless slug, right? And he takes this thing, and he puts that in the man's cup there with that, at which point the man suddenly whirls around, and he says, What, do you think I'm blind? You think I don't know? You're trying to scam me? So I found that kind of funny. I thought it was funnier than you did, apparently, by your, based on your reaction there. But I thought it's funny that, that here is this man who, you know, pretending to be blind there, and he could see clearly what this kid was doing there. So as it turns out, of course, this man was not blind at all. He was just pulling a scam. And he was, and he was upset that someone was trying to scam him. But isn't that how that works oftentimes, right? So who here is shocked that such a thing as that could possibly happen in Chicago, right? But it did. Well, you know, that man may not have been physically blind, but it certainly looks as though he was spiritually blind, doesn't it? And today, we are going to look at the story of a man who was born physically blind. But after an encounter with Jesus, his eyes were opened, both physically and spiritually. Sadly, though, those whose spiritual eyes should have been opened were closed. They were spiritually blind. They could see physically, but they could not see spiritually. And they refused to open their eyes to Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior, and the light of the world. And instead, they remained in darkness. So we are continuing our series today, Unique, the Life, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a harmony of the Gospels of Jesus Christ, of his ministry. Uh, we are following the order suggested in this book, One Perfect Life, by Dr. John MacArthur. Continuing today, here then, we are in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. I'm calling this message The Blind Man and the Blind Men. The Blind Man and the Blind Men. And what's the big idea? What is the key thought that I would like us to take away from the message here today? It is this that Jesus has opened our spiritually blind eyes in order that we might testify that he is the Son of God, the Savior, and the light of the world. Jesus has opened our spiritually blind eyes in order that we might testify that he is the Son of God, the Savior, and the light of the world. Before we look at our text, a little context here. Uh, The prophet Isaiah had predicted that in Messianic times, various signs would occur. And we see in Isaiah 29 and verse in and, and chapter 35 and in chapter 42, all there we are shown that the Messiah would open eyes that are blind. And we see numerous instances throughout the Gospels of Jesus healing the blind. Now, there were numerous reasons why Jesus performed miracles, but among them was, well, first to fulfill prophecy, but also then to confirm his identity, to confirm his identity as the Messiah, but also, though, to show his power and authority as the Son of God. But it was also then an act of mercy and compassion for suffering people. So all of those were reasons why Jesus performed miracles. And this particular miracle that we're going to read about in John chapter 9 is notable because Jesus had just proclaimed himself as the light of the world. And what do we mean? What did Jesus mean when he says he is the light of the world? Well, he is the light that he brings moral light and truth into the moral darkness and error of the world. So in this account, then, we see Jesus performing this miracle. and so doing, he fulfills prophecy. He confirms his identity as the Son of Man, that is the Messiah and the Savior of the world. But it also shows his compassion and his authority as the Son of God and demonstrates that he is indeed the light of the world. So let's look at John chapter nine. John chapter nine, beginning in verse one, says, and, as, and he, Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. But others said, No, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. And so they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. So first we see here, physically blind eyes are opened, physically blind eyes are open. As Jesus was traveling along into the city of Jerusalem, he sees a man there who was born blind. And the fact that this man was blind from birth points out here, I think, his seeming hopelessness. Like What could possibly be done for him? He was born blind. He can't possibly see. But I think it also, though, it illustrates as well human beings' spiritual blindness from birth. This man was born physically blind. We are all born spiritually blind. The disciples see this man, and they faced a theological issue, a theological problem here. They're wondering, well, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? And we might think, well, that's kind of a strange question to ask. What do you mean, who sinned that he was born? Well, it's because people in Jesus' day, including the disciples here, they believed that all suffering or affliction was directly caused by sin. That is, if you had a disease or an affliction of some time, of some kind. It was because of sin, because of some specific sin. Now, it is true that all sickness and affliction can be traced back to sin generally, correct? All This is in the world because of sin generally. But is it true that because someone has a particular disease, well, it's because some sin they must have committed. That's why they have. No, that was not. But this is what people thought. And so they wondered. Well, what about this man? He was born with this affliction of blindness. Then, and so they asked. Well, somebody had to be. Saved. It was someone's sin that caused this for this man. Was it his parents? You know, was this a punishment for something his parents had done, or perhaps had the man sinned? Had he sinned in the womb? And so they're wondering who sinned. And so there are some obvious biblical and theological problems with this view. The book of Job comes to mind, for example. But nevertheless, many people believed in Jesus' day, including the disciples, that this had to be because of either the parents' sin or this man, some specific sin. So who sinned? And Jesus answered by saying, Neither. It wasn't the parents, and it wasn't this man. That's not why this man was was blind. His blindness was not caused by some specific sin on the part of his parents or himself. But instead, the problem existed that God could display his sovereign glory in the midst of this tragedy. And so a specific sin had not caused it, but nevertheless, God would be glorified in it and through it as Jesus brought healing to this man. And then Jesus said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so this day, we must work these works while it is day. The day here means the time that has been allotted. For Jesus to do his Father's will, the work of him who sent me. And the we includes his disciples, and by extension, all of us, right? All believers. And night is the limit that is set to do God's works. Now, specifically at this point in Jesus' case, when that time would come when he would stop doing those works that he was doing then would be when? His death, the crucifixion, his death. And as the light of the world, Jesus gives people salvation. But after his death, does that mean that Jesus is now done doing works in the world? No. Now he is doing it how? Through his disciples, through the church, right? After his death, his disciples would be his lights bringing Christ to others. And yes, I know he works powerfully through, through miracles that have nothing to do with anything you or I do, right? I know that too. But you and I are called to do what? To be witnesses and to be reflections of his light in the world and to do the works that he has sent us to do. But we're told there in this passage, now Jesus, he could have just simply said, be healed and it would have been done, but he didn't. He chose to bend down and to make some mud clay with saliva, mud with, uh, with saliva and clay, and he mixed that together and he put it on this man's eyes. And some wonder, well, well, why did he do that? Was it necessary to do that for healing? No, that was not needed. So why did Jesus do that? Well, I think Jesus was probably doing that. He was using that, first off, to help the man's faith. It was an aid to develop the man's faith, and it would also be a test of faith, as that man was then told to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. You see, yes, he could have simply said, be healed, or just put his hands on him and be healed. But he did that, I think, it was to, first off, to help to elicit faith? Aren't you glad that sometimes God does things to kind of encourage our faith a little bit? Can anybody testify to that where you've seen God do something kind of just a little hint of like, okay, come on, trust me, right? I think that may have been that, but I think it also then was a tool that could be used because now he had to do what? He had had to go wash this stuff off. And so he says, go there and do that. And that's, a testing of his faith, to develop his faith, right? It wasn't instantaneous. He had to go do something first. And God does that in our lives sometimes too, right? He might start us off with that, but then say, okay, and now there's something we need to do that tests that faith. Do we really trust him or not, right? And so he sends him to this pool of Siloam, and the name Siloam means sent. So the man was obedient. He went there. He did as Jesus told him. Just as the man was sent there, Jesus was the one sent by the Father. And so this man then goes to the pool whose name means sent. He did as he was told. He washed. And he came back seeing. Now he had been born blind blind all of his life can you imagine what that experience must have been like for him the only world he knew he knew the world of what of voices and of being able to touch things he had never seen anything and now it's washed off and looks and he is seeing everything he he saw nothing and now he sees everything just like that through his faith in what jesus said he saw nothing now he sees everything so he goes back and the people there are seeing him and some of the people are amazed but others are not so sure about this they're skeptical and they're saying they begin to argue wait a minute is this the same man that was born blind they were saying, he was, yeah, yes, he is. And others say, no, he just, he looks like him. He resembles him. This can't really be him, right? Because these sorts of things just don't happen, right? But the man kept insisting, no, he was the man. How was this possible? And he gave just a simple and factual account of how the miracle occurred. And he refers to the Lord as the man they call Jesus. He put the mud on my eyes. He told me to go and wash. I went and did, and I came, back, and I'm able to see. And since he was blind at the time of the miracle, he couldn't see. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know where he went. Just knows that's what happened. Well, what happens next then? Well, we're told, starting in verse 13, John 19, starting in verse 13, it says, "...they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind." Now it was a Sabbath day, yes, there we go, (laughs) when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Dun, 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 right? There we go. Steve Steve Hoffman is my is my sound effects guy, but he's out on security duty out in the lobby here today, you know. So I've I've enlisted some others. You're all welcome to join in, right? Whenever we see the Pharisees getting upset about Jesus doing something on the Sabbath, we can all say, "There we go." So, so he said he doesn't keep the Sabbath, but others said, "How can a man who is a sinner do such signs?" And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things, because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, He was to be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I love this guy. (laughs) And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. So we saw physically blind eyes are opened, and now we see here spiritually blind eyes remain closed. Physically blind eyes opened, spiritually blind eyes remain closed. You know, since this miracle was so unusual, the people brought the man to see the Pharisees, who were highly respected in religious matters among them. And to the Pharisees, though, healing unless life was in danger and making clay, see, it was work to make that clay that Jesus did, and that violated the Sabbath law. Dun, 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 dun. There you go. So when the Pharisees asked the man about this situation, he briefly told what had happened. And the Pharisees believed that since Jesus supposedly violated the Sabbath law, he was a false prophet, turning the people away from God. And so they concluded he is not from God, and they would even go on to call Jesus a sinner, while others concluded that the signs were so impressive that a sinner could not do them. Now I ask you, had Jesus actually broken God's Sabbath law, No, he had not. What had he done? He had run afoul of what? Their traditions and their laws. Not what God had said, what they said. So the healed blind man's opinion was, well, clearly Jesus is a prophet. So the first line of thought is, well, they couldn't believe that, no, this guy wasn't really born blind. No, 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 This, this just didn't happen. This can't be surely some mistake has been made here so they send for his parents who affirm him yes this is our son and yes he was born blind but you notice the parents don't want to give any opinion about jesus or who jesus is you see the religious authorities they had already declared that that jesus he was not the messiah and anyone who held such a view, they would be excommunicated from the synagogue. You might think, what well, is to be kicked out of the synagogue? You think, okay, well, might not be something you'd want to have. But what do you mean? Well, the synagogue, being kicked out of the synagogue was a very serious thing. It was the center of your life as a first century Jew. Your life was in that. Your relationships were in that. Your life. Revolved around that, and then to be cast out of that, this was a serious matter. Your friendships, your support, all of these things been kicked out. It'd be like it was their version of cancel culture, right? We got cancel culture. This was you would you'd be canceled if you said that Jesus. Oddly enough, you can get canceled today for saying that Jesus is the Messiah, right? So. They didn't want to say. And what do they do? They kind of throw their son under the bus. They say, he's old enough. Hey, that's his. You ask him. Don't ask us. <laughs> ask him. He's old enough. He's of age. Don't don't involve us in this. Am I the only one that thinks that's maybe a little questionable to do that? Yeah. Hmm. So the parents say, well, we, don't, we have no opinion on this. Ask him. So the authorities then, the religious authorities, they try to pressure the man into withdrawing his testimony about Jesus. They say, give glory to, give glory to God. And what that means is that was a call to admit his guilt in siding with Jesus, whom they called a sinner. But the man's witness was clear, and he refused to deny what he knew for certain. And I love this very simple testimony. He says, well, you know, as to who he was and all that, I I, I don't know, but I can tell you this. Here's what I know, and I cannot deny. I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that a wonderful, simple testimony? I was blind, but now I see. He was... I would make a good song lyric, don't you think? <laughs> we should put that... Jerry, why don't you uh, see if we can work that into a song here for us, will you? Okay. All right? I was blind, but now I see. I can't deny that. It's at this point, I love this man. I love this blind, this formerly blind man. I love Did you see he has kind of a holy boldness about him here that comes about? You have to know, he is so thrilled with what has happened here. He knows the truth of what happened here. And he's not going to be silenced, no matter what may come. And so this healed man, he becomes a little impatient with these religious authorities, these religious experts. They want to know, well, tell us again how you were healed. And he says, I already told you how I was healed, but they didn't listen to him. You don't want that. And so he sarcastically asks if they want him to repeat his story because they've indicated it's a change of heart. Were they inquiring because they wanted to know, do you want to become his disciples too? (laughs) And this was too much for the Pharisees. How dare they say such a thing as that? And so they insult him and then claim, oh, well, you can be as yeah, if you're his disciples, okay, but we're not his disciples. We are disciples of Moses. And the man continues, though, proceeding to teach them, saying about their, that they must admit their ignorance about Jesus' order. Well, isn't this an amazing thing? He's done something that's never been done before, and you don't know how he did it, and you're calling him, a sinner no one has ever heard of a man born blind receiving sight he says we know that god grants the request not of sinners but of righteous men and therefore this man jesus he is from god otherwise he could not have done this miracle and he didn't have an answer for it so what do you do when you don't have an answer for someone's argument for someone's thought what do you do you insult and cast them out right that's what they did. Does that happen today, by the way? Someone knows they're losing an argument. What happens? Here come the insults, right? And the insults and the separating, right? So they're upstaged by a beggar. And so what do they do? They insult him again, and then they throw him out of the synagogue. And they tell him what? He, is, he was blind because of some specific... You were born in utter sin. You, are, you, you did something to cause this blindness and boot him out. But that's not the end of the story. Told then in John 9, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. So we saw that physically blind eyes were opened, that spiritually blind eyes remained closed. And now we see spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. So Jesus takes the initiative here. He finds the man after he had heard that he had been excommunicated. And he asks him, "Do you believe in the Son of Man?" Now, the Son of Man was a title for the Messiah. We see that in the book of Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. So, you know, the Son of Man was one of Jesus' favorite designations for himself. You know, he didn't go around saying the Son of God. He did acknowledge that he was the Son of God, but he didn't usually refer to himself as the Son of God. He referred to himself usually as the Son of Man, which was a title of of Messiah. He was the Messiah. But I think it also shows his humility that he was emphasizing that he was human, that he's one of us. Jesus is God, isn't he? But he is also human. He was one of us. And he's the Messiah the promised one, the Son of Man. The beggar responds, well, yes, he certainly is willing to believe in the Son of Man, but who is he? And Jesus then discloses himself as the Son of Man, as the Messiah, as the Savior. Messiah means the Savior, right? And he gave the beggar the necessary knowledge for faith, does faith follow inevitably from being given information? No. Faith is an act of the will. Yes, information is needed, but faith is an act of the will once that information is given, isn't it? So after Jesus revealed that he is the Son of Man, this man responded in faith. And we see that he understood Not only was he the Messiah, but he was who else? He is the Son of Man, but he is also the Son of God. Well, how do you know that? Because what did he do? He worshipped him. If Jesus were merely man, should he have accepted the word? Would you worship someone who is only a man? No. It's (laughs) highly forbidden, isn't it? But Jesus received his worship. This man understood that he is the Son of Man, the Messiah, but he's also the Son of God, and he worshiped him. Well, how did he see this? How did he know this? Because his spiritually blind eyes were opened, right? And he could see. He could see who he was. So Jesus then indicates that his coming into the world inevitably brings judgment with it. Now, he did not come into the world the first time as a judge, did he? He came as the Savior, as a humble servant. But inevitably, his coming brings judgment with it, though, doesn't it? Not in the way that his second coming will bring judgment, but nevertheless, there is judgment. Just the fact of his appearing and people's response to that brings judgment with it. He says what the blind, those who do not see may see. The blind who come to sight are those who admit their helplessness and their inability, and they trust in Jesus for salvation. Those who cannot see, see. But those who see become blind. Who are the ones who see and become blind? Well, these are the ones who think they see, but they don't. These are the ones who are full of what? Self-reliance, self-trust, and pride, and it blinds them to the wonders of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. So Jesus explains this to this man, but meanwhile, there's some Pharisees, they're still around, they're hearing this. and they're Oh, what? And they, they, they recognize, they hear what Jesus said about the sea, about those who see will become blind. What, you're saying, what, do you think we're blind? Right? They don't take off their dark sunglasses, but, right? What do you think, I'm blind? Well, yeah, they were blind. They were spiritually blind, right? So Jesus tells them that if they were truly blind, they would not have guilt in this, but because they claim to be able to see, you saying what, that all of their claims and their pretensions about being spiritually insightful and knowledgeable Actually, just makes them all the more guilty. Why? Because they should have seen him for who he was, recognized him for who he was, recognized what he was doing in fulfilling of prophecy and these miracles that could not be explained in any other way. But it's not that the evidence wasn't there, it's what? They refused to believe. They refused to see. Faith isn't just information oh, I believe. Faith is information plus what? The will, the heart, an act of the will, a choice to believe. And they refused to do that. And so, because of that, they were still guilty. They were sinning willfully, Jesus tells them. I want us to reflect for just a little bit here on spiritual blindness and spiritual sight. What does it mean to be spiritually blind? I want to share a few thoughts here with one commentator on this theme of spiritual blindness and spiritual sight. To be spiritually blind, he says, is not to see Christ. That is not to see Christ, to see him for who he is. We don't see him right when we're spiritually blind. We do not see Christ, and not to see Christ is not to see God. It is a grievous condition experienced by those who do not believe in God, Jesus Christ, and His Word. And being spiritually blind, they are perishing. They choose not to accept the teachings of Christ and His authority in their lives. They are blind to the manifestations of God as revealed throughout His Word and Jesus Christ, They are described as those who do not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You know, when we reject Christ, we're not given insight to understand if we are willfully rejecting him. And that is to be blind, spiritually blind. They're unable to understand God's word, Their lives are steeped in the things of this world with all of its passions, blind to the heart of God and the values of God. He says, Without God and left to ourselves, we easily succumb to the devil's schemes. We can become so mired in the affairs of this world and its moral darkness that in the end, God turns us over to spiritual blindness and eternal condemnation. But, As believers, we have the Spirit of God reigning in our lives to ward off the debilitating effects of Satan's power and the world's influence. And John tells us, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides or remains in him and he in God. God has provided us with powerful weapons to ward off the flaming arrows of the evil one. And as believers, we can overcome the evil one and remain in the light and never become spiritually blind. For in truth, Jesus has given us his wonderful promise, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love the testimony of this man. It was a very simple testimony, wasn't it? He wasn't a theology expert, but here's what he did know. I was blind, but now I see. Not all of us are called to be theological and philosophical and apologetical experts, are we? But we all are called to testify. Testify. I was blind. Now I see. Testify to who God is, who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man, the Savior. And He is the light of the world. What did He do for you? What has He done for you? What is He doing in you and for you? Who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the Son of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's the second person of the Trinity. He is eternal God, equal with the Father and the Son. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man, or the Savior. He's the Messiah. He is also the light of the world that shines in the moral darkness of the world. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do for you? What did he do for me? Well, Jesus obeyed the law, and through faith in him, declares us righteous, perfect, and holy in him. Jesus took the punishment for our sins, and he grants us forgiveness through faith in him. Jesus conquered death by rising from the grave and promises that we will rise with him. Jesus is coming again as the judge and the eternal king, that we might reign with him. And finally, Jesus will make all things new that we might faithfully manage the new creation and enjoy him forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. Here we go. Amen. <laughs> so what? So what should we do with this today here? Well, I'd remind us of the big idea here, which is Jesus has opened our spiritually blind eyes in order that we might testify that he is the son of god the savior and the light of the world how do we testify of jesus how can i testify of him well certainly it's with our mouths right but i would suggest it's more than that we can testify with our character as we are walking faith through him, as God is working to bring change in our hearts to make us more like Christ, we testify of Christ with our character. We testify of Christ with our deeds. What good is our so-called faith if there are no good deeds or fruit or evidence to back it up, right? We testify of Christ with our character. We testify of Christ with our deeds. But then, yes, we testify of Christ with our words. Are you ready to tell someone who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? Are you ready to say to them, I was blind, but now I see. So what's our challenge here today? It's this, testify. Testify of Jesus in character, in deeds, and in words. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who is the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Savior who is the light of the world. We thank you that we do not need to walk in darkness. We do not need to stumble over error, but that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. He is the light. May we be found to be faithful witnesses who though we will not have and do not have all of the answers to every conceivable question that can simply testify, I was blind. But now I see this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus did for me. May we be faithful witnesses. And all of this for his glory and honor. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.